only interviews, Batman. Hi, this is Burt Ward, Robin from the TV series Batman. You're listening to TV Confidential. Wowie zowie, it's fantastic. Ed Robertson with a reminder that we'll play part two of our conversation with actor and entrepreneur Rodimus Perrault in our second hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we'll close out our first hour by playing part three of our conversation with Carol Ford and Linda Groundwater. Carol and Linda are two of the authors, along with Dee Young, of Bob Crane, The Definitive Biography. It's a deep dive into the life and career of Bob Crane that balances the scales by providing a full and complete history of who Bob Crane was and just as important who he wasn't and is based on more than 12 years of research and hours and hours of in-depth conversation with more than 200 people who knew Bob Crane better than anyone else, including his family members, including his friends in Connecticut, uh, many of whom that he grew up with, many of his cast members from Hogan's Heroes, including uh, Robert Clary and Larry Hovis, as well as colleagues in radio such as Gary Owens, Paul Peterson, his co-star on the Donna Reed Show, and many, many others. Bob Crane, the definitive biography, available hardcover, paperback, and as an ebook through Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. If I mention this to Carol off mic, uh, Linda, I'll mention this to you both on the air. Being an author myself, I'm always interested in the way books are put together. It is structured in a very uh, interesting way. It is mostly chronological, but it's also thematic in that you all cover aspects of his life and career that more or less happened when they happened, but sometimes you hit the pause button in the chronology and you'll focus on a particular topic, such as Bob's desire to act and his commitment to be the best actor he could possibly be even when he wasn't offered the best roles he could have been offered. So that's, that is interesting. And, and I said this to Carol off mic. There were moments, you know, because I've gotten to know some of the people that you've talked to, and so I've, I had a picture of Bob, and there are moments, okay, there is that elephant in the back of the room, and it's like, okay, I knew this was going on, and when you're going to get to it, when you're going to get to it, and when you finally get to that, that being the nature of his addiction to sex and the backstory leading up to his murder on June 29th, 1978, the way you address that. It's a chapter near the end. It's a comprehensive chapter, but in a way, the way you address it kind of underscores the entire theme of the book, which is that and all that entails is just one chapter in the life of a person who accomplished many things in his 49 years. It was very challenging to try to figure out. We, we talked about it Linda and Dee and I, we talked about it. How how are we going to address his uh, the elephant in the room? How are we going to? We didn't. We decided we didn't want it to run through the whole book because what inevitably would have happened is is that it would continue to overshadow mm-hmm. everything. It's okay that the elephant in the room is kind of like that thing that's out of the corner of your eye that you can't really see yet, but it still then allows 
you to learn about Bob as a radio personality, as an up-and-coming actor, as a star, uh, as, as a star that then becomes typecast, and how does he handle post-Hogan's Heroes? And then ha- you, you, you see it building a little bit, but it's still not front and center. We kept it separate, and we show you how its roots kind of start to build in 1950s Connecticut and how they grow and how they then take over a bit and then how it really exacerbates over time. And so you've got that chapter that is a standalone chapter that could theoretically be lifted up and placed over the rest of the book. But we did not want to do that because what we wanted to do was let his real story of his his life and career really shine through above the addiction. Now, addiction, Linda, I'm going to let Linda kind of take off on this a little bit, but addiction is not a term that was widely used. You have to remember the era. It was a much different era, the 1970s. I was thinking just this past week, you have Bob Craig, who is understanding what he has as some kind of an addiction that he can't control, but it's not an addiction as we think of addiction today. You right. can't you can't analyze somebody who's not here in present day. Uh, but I was thinking of Tiger Woods. You have Tiger Woods who is on top of his game and then crashes. He declares, he says, I am a sexual addict. He goes, he gets counseling, and now look at Tiger Woods today. Bob Crane never had that chance to come back and and say, okay, I've gone for the counseling. I've done what I said I was going to do. I've gotten better, and now I'm back on top of my game. Um, and that's something that in 1978, that's something that would not have been uh, as, as, you know, people wouldn't have rallied around him the way people rally around. And it's great that people do, but back in 1978, it was a much different time, and that must be remembered. The other aspect there, in regards to just what you were saying about how the book was designed, so to speak, or how it was compiled, is that so many people, and I think I think a surprising number of people, although after a while it wasn't so much of a surprise, I think Carol will agree, but a surprising number of people in Bob's life had no idea about this addiction. Absolutely no idea until the day he died. When it came yes. out in the news, they were shocked. So, yes. so many people did not know about that one aspect of his life, that if we took that addiction, if we took that problem and we slathered it freely in the book you wouldn't really be seeing bob the way these people saw him Mm -hmm. you wouldn't understand why they were saying what they were saying the way they were saying it if we kept underscoring it with yeah but he was a sex addict yeah Yeah, but don't forget the sex addict so he did this with these people it meant that to them he was a hundred percent to them exactly what they are saying to us because for the most part those people didn't know so Mm -hmm. he re and he didn't want them to know it wasn't you know as as much as people say oh he was proud of it yeah i'd question that you know of course i would say especially in those days most manly men would be like yep i've got my women but bob didn't walk around doing that 
Bob saw himself as a family man, and he didn't want people to see him as anything other than Bob Crane, the working actor who was married, who loved the drums, loved his family. He didn't want them to know about this aspect of his life. So we couldn't throw it into the book and sprinkle it freely. It would have totally changed how these people saw him and what it meant to how he advanced his career, took those different directions in his life. And to follow that up, Linda, I'll, I'll add to that too, that in the 1970s when he is struggling, it's it's post-Hogan's Heroes, he's trying to find that perfect fit again in his television show, and, and that is where the addiction really starts to uh, become a little bit more profound because oh, yeah. it is becoming a much bigger piece of his life at that point where he is finding that he can't control it. He told uh, Ed Beck, Reverend Ed Beck, that he would try, he would go to a city because he traveled all over the country for dinner theater, and he would say, this time I'm not going to fool around. And that would last all of about two minutes. But he knew in the back yeah. of his head, this time I'm going to try not to have that happen. So it was shaking him a little bit that he could not um, say, okay, I'm not going to go out and carouse tonight. Uh, but throughout the 1970s, you start to see that creeping in a little bit more because it, that is where it is more uh, taking hold, where, where it is becoming more of a problem. Whereas before that, it started, yeah, go, go it started to affect his career. Sorry, yes. it started yes. to affect his career at that point. And that was immensely disturbing. And it, yes. children started to hear things. Yes. And that was disturbing. And, you know, there there came those points where he just said, you know what? It ruined my first marriage. It's starting to ruin my career. My kids are starting to ask questions. My God, what's happening? I have to do something. It was shaking him too because he said uh, to Ed Beck that he could not answer his children honestly and still consider himself a good father because they were starting to ask questions. He couldn't answer them honestly. And so that was really, really getting to the root of who he was. He, he prided himself on being a good father. And if that was starting to shake, that was really where he said, okay, now my career, my marriages, but my children, my children. Mm -hmm. I want to be a good father to my children. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ed Beck is the addiction counselor that Bob Crane reached out to and worked with in the weeks and months before uh, his tragic murder in uh, June 1978. Ed Beck is one of the more than 200 voices that you will hear, that you will read in Bob Crane, the definitive biography by Carol Ford, Linda Groundwater, and Dee Young, which we'll talk some more about when we carry over our conversation into our second hour. Then we'll play part two of our conversation with Rodimus Para, the actor who played Grasshopper on the original Kung Fu. All that more coming up in hour number two of TV Confidential. Stay with us. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty Group, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. 
Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you. One more item. Our friend Jeffrey Mark has a brand new podcast called Hitting the Mark with Jeffrey Mark, in which Jeff shares memories and one-of-a-kind stories about his friendship with Steve Allen, Ethel Merman, Milton Berle, Don Wells, and other showbiz legends. Hitting the Mark with Jeffrey Mark, available now on Megaphone and wherever else you find podcasts. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at tvconfidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.